Welcome back to the Park Hills Podcast. We get into a really fun passage today. If you like this and any of the other things that we're doing, uh, just head to parkhillschurch.com. You'll find all kinds of information, and you'll be able to learn about us there. If there was ever a year that was all about, you know, unification and bringing people together, I think 2020 is that year. <laughs> yeah. And I think when I think of passages that are not divisive in the least, passages that are easy to exegete and handle well, I've always thought of Colossians 3, 18 <laughs> through 4, 1. To be the passage that's really going to draw everyone together, everyone's going to be united and on the same page with this one. So with that said, Mark, you had a really fun time diving into this one, and you kind of drew the short straw as far as it came to a sermon prep for this one, huh? Yeah, is that what you call it? At, uh, fact be known here, Chris manages the worship calendar, so it, drawing the short straw, yeah, I'm not quite sure that's how it happened, but anyway. I'm uh, not sure how it happened. <laughs> uh you know, it, it's funny how people's attitudes toward this are different. And to me, what I see it as, as wonderful uh, because the whole picture is. Mm-hmm. And it, it just gets such a bad rap because it throws that submit word out there. But again, this whole household order that is laid out here by Paul is... It's wonderful because the the standard is set so high. And but you think about that, that's what's been happening all the way through this book. The more he lays out who we are in Christ and who we were, he just keeps raising the bar high. And by high I mean set your hearts on things above. Yeah. In heaven. So they're not only high, they're the highest. It, it's the it's the household order, but it's the, really the highest order. It's mm-hmm. this is what to aim for. Do these things come naturally to us? Uh, not so much. That's probably why passages like this are dreaded by many to teach on or preach on because they know that uh, it 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 doesn't sound well to to say the phrase "wives submit." But again, you go back into like like we understand here, Chris, uh, the husbands love your wife, nobody harsh with them. Uh, you know, it's that love is an incredible love. And, and looking at it along with the Ephesians passage, like mm-hmm. Christ loved the church. That's incredible, incredibly high standard. And again, the culture and the context, uh, as I mentioned in, in the in the message, is so important because he's speaking to a largely Roman culture. And, and what he's saying here is he's talking about a standard of love, that high standard right. of love, but speaking to a culture that looked at the family a lot different, didn't they? Yeah, and I think that's one of the difficulties for preachers in general, for theologians in general, because it's something that I think a lot of us 
maybe understand a little better, but then in order to take that then to our people, there's a lacking thing. So let me uh, give this illustration, then I'll move into the Roman thing. So for example, I've always had people come to me and say, why is slavery in the Old Testament? This doesn't seem right. Mm -hmm. And why doesn't Paul outright say slavery is wrong here? You know, he's talking about slaves, be submissive to your masters, you know, and then masters treat your bondservants well. And they go, why didn't the Bible just up and say slavery is wrong? Well, you, nothing is written in a vacuum. And the Bible itself is written in a culture and God is speaking against an idea while doing it maybe in the way that you wouldn't expect. So if you're pulling a group of slaves out of Egypt who have been indoctrinated with Egyptian thoughts and Egyptian mindsets, you're not going to start with, okay, you've believed this for the last 40 years or you know 400 years at that point, and now I'm going to immediately flip the switch and you're going to be everything's just fine. That's not how it works. That, that That's not how you move people in a direction. That's just not it. And so what we often see in the Bible is God sort of dropping a concept or a law that moves people along, whether you want to call it evolutionary thought or a progressive idea of thought, they, they're moving from what used to be into what is. And so the Roman culture, for example, and you talked about this briefly in the sermon, Roman culture was all about power and authority and might. If you were the head of a household, if you're a male in a, in a Roman household, you fought in a war, you have power, you have men under you, right? Or you have bloodied people for the the good of the empire. And so when you are home, the man of the house had a status. And the way he treated his wife was that she was lesser because there's no way that she deserved more than he did because he's been out there fighting and she does this. And so there were things written in Roman law about how men were supposed to treat women. And it's brutal. I mean, it's fairly barbaric even. And the way that they discipled men to treat their wives is, is just disgusting in the way that children were treated, whether they were male or female had, they had different status that they were male than if they were female. And so within that culture, if you kind of want to imagine this way in that culture, God is sending Paul, one of his spokespeople to drop a ripple effect into that culture and to make it change. Now, what's crazy is we are now 2000 years removed from that culture. And in some ways, unfortunately, Roman culture slipped into Christian culture. We see that happen in the third and fourth centuries AD when the Roman Empire started to realize, oh, the the Christians are taking over. Maybe we should just all become Christian. And it went from being the Christians were kind of pushing on the empire and making the empire change to the empire now saying, well, if you become a Christian, we'll give you a tax break. Or if you become a Christian, you won't have to fight in the battles. Well, then you have a whole bunch of people that are coming to Christ, so to speak, just because they want to have the benefits of it, as opposed to what was really supposed to happen, which is people come to the reality that Christ is king right now, and I'm going to follow him. So even within those 300 years, we have a massive shift in thought and process. And then now you move, you know, couple, you know, 1700 years down the road, even from the, the 300 and 400 AD time frame, And you go, whoa, what is wrong with us? Well, part of it is our culture is so indoctrinated with Christian thought, and it doesn't even know that it's Christian thought. Why do people love life so much? 
Well, they love life so much because they've been told by the Bible that life is important and it's valuable. And so the Christian, especially in America, we we are a Christian nation, and I say that very with rocky, you know, mm-hmm. a rocky foundation. But most people in this country think they know who God is. They think they know what Jesus is all about. They think they know what sin is. They think they know that they are a sinner. And even in common culture, it's just a part of who it is. Well, if that's the culture we're growing up in now, there's a good chance that we have misrepresented this passage. And so what ends up happening is we read, wives submit to your husbands as a fitting the Lord, and we treat it as a domineering thing, which ironically is more like the Romans would have lived versus wives submitting to your husbands. You know, we might use the term, be respectful to your husbands, or we might use the term of understand your value to your husband and you guys work together on this and realize you're not domineering over him, which is unfortunately how all too many wives treat their husbands today, right? They domineer. And, and ironically, what you're doing then is you're just falling into the trap that Paul's actually pushing back on way back here 2,000 years ago. So we, what we do is we take words and we make them have meaning, and then we kind of try to push them into our culture and make our culture think something different when that's not really what's going on in this passage. What's going on in this passage is Paul is saying, the household that you're living in right now is brutal. It's about power. It's about authority. It's about might. I'm telling you, wives, do not domineer over your husbands. And husbands... Love your wives and be sacrificial toward them. If we just started there, mm-hmm. I think we'd be in a much better place than we typically are in our culture today. Yeah, and it's it's a beautiful thing when it starts to work mm-hmm. the way it's designed by God. And not to see that it's a lesser role or I'm a lesser person whether I'm on the slave side of that or the master side of that or, or the child side of that or the parent side of that, husband or the wife side of that, it's rather, no, this is your role. Honor Christ with it. Mm-hmm. You know, the last passage ended with whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, God the Father through him. Uh, everything. And here in 23, Whatever you do, work heartily. I love that. It's just Mm -hmm. all in, you know, as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you receive the inheritance as your reward. Mm -hmm. So again, whatever part of this, there's something hard here for everyone. You know, Paul covers all the bases, just even going outside the household to masters and, and slaves or, you know, employers and employees. He's demanding a high standard, the highest standard of all of them. Right. And while we could push back on that, go, I, I don't want to do that. I want to be all out for me. He, he, he reminds them, listen, you're doing it for the Lord, and the Lord's going to honor it. And he's the one that gives the inheritance as a reward. And that certainly makes it far more palatable. Mm-hmm. If if I'm to live in complete sacrifice for my wife, giving anything and everything for her, which is what I aim to do, it's a lot easier knowing that the Lord wants me to do that. And really, in doing that for my wife, I'm doing that for my Savior. Boy, that just makes it easier. And for how I parent, for how I lead, whatever it is I do, how I serve, knowing it's, okay, there's a reward in this, and it is for Christ himself. Boy, that just makes it a lot easier. Now, there are situations that make this tough. Um, 
I'm sure you and I have both had occasions where we're talking with a, a spouse where the other party is is not acting biblically mm-hmm. or maybe doesn't know Christ. That's always makes it complicated. You can't you can't apply this passage well when there's an unequal yoke in, in the it's relationship. Like Paul said that too. To not be unequally yoked. Yeah, it's, crazy yeah, it's like there works. was good advice about that. Uh, <laughs> but even think about that, you know, the couple where uh, she comes to faith yep. after they're married, and he's like, are you kidding me? I don't believe that. Right. And now what a difficult situation and a high call for that that wife to now sub, submit to her husband, even though he's not going to take the mantle, this high standard of saying, I'm going to love her like Christ loved the church. Maybe he's going to love her and take care of her and he do things for her, but not like this standard is being laid out. So now it gets really hard and and really lopsided. Or think about that child who, or even a teenager, teenager comes to faith and wants to honor the parent, but the parent is an alcoholic right. or whatever. And, you know... Or highly critical. Yeah, never, never satisfied. And, and you know, how do you handle that? Right. I mean, what, what do you do with that? Yeah, and I think when we think about not being treated well, we can all think of circumstances either where we felt we were mistreated or we, we know people right now who are definitely suffering under that weight. And it's brutal and it's hard. And so we could spend hours just going through that and talking about individuals who aren't doing it right. But I know for you and, and my, myself as well, I love it when a couple decides to start just trying to do it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of doing it wrong, which they've been trying for 20 years or so or more, you know, or less in some cases. When we walk through this type of passage and we say, this is what it's supposed to look like. And we just start by looking at the husband dead in the eyes and say, listen, stop being a jerk. Love your wife the way you're supposed to love your wife. If he actually starts to practice that, he doesn't need to ask her to submit. Yeah, I agree. And vice versa, when you look at a woman and you say, listen, I, I know that sometimes he's a bonehead. And our culture is very quick to point out how much of a bonehead guys are. It, it, we are, you know, some of the best characters in all of television for men are woeful, if you think yeah. about it, right? Idiots, yeah. Homer Simpson. Even everybody loves Raymond. Like, I love Raymond, but he's kind of a bumbling fool sometimes, you know, and like yeah. quick to go to the golf course as opposed great, to great, great number of shows do that. And, and that's been a movement of the enemy yep. to, to rearrange this order. I totally agree. Totally. And so then you've got wives that are like, well, you're just like that idiot. So I'm going to treat you like that, which is the opposite of submitting to your husband. And I think we often look at submitting as, I think some people think that you and I maybe, and I don't know if maybe I'm just speculating here, but I've had people come to me and say, I love your relationship with your wife. I would love to emulate that with my with my spouse or with my future spouse, whatever. This is students in youth ministry often or college students. And then they, they come hang out with us and they realize you're never asking your wife to submit to you. I'm like, why would I ever do that? Like that's the yeah. if I quoted this verse to Heidi every day. <laughs> <laughs> can I can I be there when you do? Yeah, no, that's not going to be a great day, and it's not going to be a great marriage. But the truth is, I don't have to ask my wife to submit. First of all, because she's walking with Jesus on her own, and she understands that there's a beautiful place, a dignity that comes with being the wife that she's supposed to be. 
and I don't have to ask for her submission. She respects me and she loves me. Are there tough challenges that we have to face? Absolutely. Are there decisions that come down to both of us disagreeing on things and we have to make a call? Absolutely. Who wins those? I don't know that anybody wins. We're not really out to win. Yeah. We're out to see our marriage become the best it possibly can be. And so even in those moments where there's tension, it's more about us coming to Christ and saying, Christ, we're surrendering this to you. Give us wisdom as to what to do next. And that's the way it's supposed to look. And this passage often gets caught up in the wrong wording as opposed to realizing that, right? Or if I just went to my kids and I was like, obey your parents as unto the Lord. Like, I know you had an experience like that last week as you were getting ready for this message. Yeah, I did. The, I said those exact words. <laughs> but if I just went over to my kids and I constantly <laughs> said, obey your parents and everything, then they're going to start getting a bad view of scripture. I think they're going to get a misrepresentation of who God is. And they're also going to get a misrepresentation of me and who I am versus just starting to realize my parents want the best for me. They're trying to mold me and shape me in the way that I'm supposed to be. So they have the best interest in mind. So when it says obey them, it doesn't mean that I'm trying to do this because they're they're jerks that are trying to look out for my worst. They are looking out for the best in me. Mm-hmm. And once you start to get that shift in your kids or in your, your spouse or yourself, it's a beautiful thing. And then I read it and I, like whenever I read this passage, the one that convicts me the most is fathers do not exasperate your children. Mm-hmm. And I think, how am I being harsh on my kids? How am I holding them to a standard that they can never hold to? And I need to back off and realize that that's not what it's supposed to be. And the problem is that's what this passage is supposed to be. And we talked about this when we did Ephesians. It's really more about us reading our verse that talks to us and then letting everyone else read their verse that talks to them and then watching our household shape and be molded in a different way. And so when we're having those stories of the bad situations, we've had too many of those in our lives where we've been counseling someone and they choose not to do what the Bible says and we watch it just, you know, burn and mm. it's terrible. Yeah. But we've also had some of those folks that just come back and go, I tried loving him this week or I tried loving her this week. I did not realize that we still have those feelings for each other. Yeah. And you watch a marriage totally be reshaped and molded in a really beautiful new way and you go, that's awesome. And that's what Paul's aiming at here. And I think they end up more in love in those moments than the giddy little couple that's just getting ready to walk down the aisle, which is a really cool concept. You know, it's it's great when it works out that way. You know, as long as there are some men who throw out the wives, wife submit, I think she ought to turn around and go husband sacrifice because that's really yeah. <laughs> what what the call is here. But Th- then die for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And hurry up about it, right? Yeah, you're yeah, annoying yeah. me. Um, but what a what a a cool thing when a couple gets this. Yeah, because you're right. That word submit and everyone has to come into play. Uh, in a, in our household, it, it, it's not even a tiebreaker. There, we we come to agreement on right. on all these decisions. We talk it through and. And we move forward united. Why? Because we're united in Christ and let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, like we talked about in the last podcast. How, how important is that to uh, just bring that unity? And uh, as how household order, it gets a bad rap because the truth is it's got it going on. Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about being a team is really what you're describing. And if a team can get along, they succeed. They do really, really well. And so I'm thinking about your similar illustration with the soft blanket and the prickly little cactus. The truth is the relationship that I want to have with my wife, you know, the 80-year-old us, you know, if I'm the one that has to buy my ring 
all over again for my wife who has forgotten who I am and is sometimes mean to me. I want to buy that ring having been through some of those cactus moments with her and mm-hmm. gotten through it and better. Yeah. It's not all going to be warm and fuzzy. It's not all going to be, you know, uh, there's so many songs that are going through my head right now, but uh, <laughs> rainbows and butterflies, it's compromise. It moves us along. It's Maroon 5. But as I think it through, I just go, we want warm and fuzzy like a blanket all the time. That's not human nature. That's not fallen human nature. And what, so what Paul's pushing at, starting in verse 1 here, is you have been raised with Christ. You're different. And this is what you said a little bit ago. Now that you're new, act like it. Be different. Be different than you've ever been before. And as you are, those cactus moments are going to come out. And when they do, pushing through them, or put another way, you don't grow in your faith without the desert moments. Mm-hmm. You have to have desert in order to really understand and appreciate. So you want full love. You want beauty, love down the road. You want to be able to look at each other and say, 50 years, wow, I can't believe we're here. You don't get there yeah. without going through some valleys. Consider it all joy, joy when you face trials of many kind, right? Yeah. You know, we don't see it that way, but it's true. And that's what makes those couples so strong is having got through, worked their way through and, and uh, seeing the Lord bring unity to them, reconciliation to them, and uh, that's the real thing. 